there, Kim Schmidt, Executive Editor of Farm Equipment here. Welcome to the latest episode of Farm Equipment's podcast series, Our Dealer Story. In this week's episode, I sat down with Charlie and Mike Hopp of Hopp Equipment during the United Equipment Dealers Association annual convention in Louisville. Charlie and a partner started the dealership in 1974 after the local international harvester dealership went out of business. Today, Charlie's sons, Mike and Glenn, are part owners in the business, and the third generation is also involved in the dealership. Before we head over to Charlie and Mike, I wanted to thank our sponsor, HPS Systems, a multi-generational company that for over 30 years has provided leading edge systems and software technology designed specifically for ag and construction equipment dealers. Thanks for making this podcast series possible. We'll jump into the conversation now with Charlie sharing how the dealership first got started. This is the Our Dealer Story of Hoff Equipment. In 1974, um, I had a partner um, we started with the International Harvester dealership that uh, was wanting to get out of the business. The current owners wanted to get out of the business. And we talked about, I was selling cars at the time and he was actually working for International Harvester back in 1974. He stopped by one day, we were friends from you back through high school and so on and so forth. And he stopped in one day at the car dealership and he said, yeah, he said, I think I'm ready to move back to Dubois County and uh, understand the International Harvest Dealership in Huntingburg is going to be for sale or the business is going to be for sale and mm-hmm. uh, it's a good chance that uh, I might want to come back, I will come back and uh, so as we uh, discussed some of the details I said well give me a couple of weeks to think about it, which we did and uh, I said, sounds good. I'm an old farm boy, grew up on the farm, sounds good. I uh, was interested, so we ended up in, in 1974, started with three employees, plus ourselves, total of five people. Started in an old building. The doors were hardly uh, tall enough or high enough to get a 715 combine in back then, which was a small machine. As time went on, why we hired people built a service, better service department, and myself and my partner were primarily the salespeople for the first seven or eight years. As we grew, I guess originally the the total amount of, of employees within the first 10 years probably didn't exceed 12 or 15, but as time went on, we, uh, we added additional product lines and, and so forth. Back then, um, it was slim. We, we had to careful how we spent money, went on with uh, what we had, built the business, and as of today, have three different locations with, with about 74 people on payroll. Did you guys buy the like facility of the old International Harvester dealership, or did they close and you picked up the contract just? No, we, we bought their uh, inventory, whatever they had, and okay. also bought the original building which uh, needed to be expanded. And then as time went on, we bought some property surrounding this particular building where we're located today. Okay, so it's still the same physical location, not the same building, though. It is. Uh How did your experience selling cars translate to the farm equipment business? Well, in my opinion, um, sales is a a people thing. When I left car sales, I had a number of people follow me 
I followed up with them naturally and created more uh, customer activity and had to switch from automotive and trucks to farm machinery, which wasn't a problem for me. It's part of a natural. And uh, again, it goes back to a people thing, work with people and treat them fairly or they feel they're being treated fairly and the business will come to you. And then Mike, when did you get, you said you've been there since you were 11, so <laughs> hanging around? Yeah, after Charlie and Ron bought the dealership, um, I, I, I was only 11 or 12 years old, so what I remember was Charlie, my dad Charlie was still selling cars yet at Leaguers. I think he wanted to finish a few more months out there and you know before he just left and so Ron would come pick me up on Saturday mornings. Obviously I was still in school, so Saturday was the only day I could work. So he'd pick me up at quarter to seven on Saturday mornings and I'd go over and start basically just sweeping floors and emptying trash and yeah. cleaning out the wash rack pit and whatever. But that's how I started. What are some of your kind of early memories of that time as a as a kid in the in the dealership? When I got a little bit older, I used to, uh, they let me set up some lawnmowers, you know, at, at the time, International Harvester owned Cub Cadets, so I'd set up push mowers and Cub Cadet lawn tractors. I could handle that, enjoyed that, so I probably did that for a couple years until um, I got out of high school and then did some deliveries. Back then you didn't, <laughs> I remember driving the delivery truck after I got my license, you know, back then you did not need a CDL license, so you could just right. jump in and go. So that's what we did, or what I did in our old uh, rollback. And uh, after I graduated from high school, went to Vincennes University, got an agribusiness degree, and then and then came back um, in the parts department. Okay, is where I took my first full time position. Okay. And then is Glenn your brother? Correct. Okay. Our, our brother Glenn was working elsewhere uh, until uh, what year did he come back? Oh, six or two thousand six or eight? About twelve years ago. <laughs> yeah, I'm not even sure when he came back, but he did come back to the to the store. And at that time, we were still in Huntingburg. We just had a single store in Huntingburg. Okay. And after he came back, we had an opportunity to purchase a building in Jasper, which is a neighboring town. Up to Huntingburg, and that's where we started our lawn and garden dealership. We still have our main Case IH store, so we're really a single store in Case IH's eyes. One store there, and then we opened up. Well, through the years, we we took more product lines on. After you know Charlie and Ron got started there, we took on Bobcat, we took on Kubota, some other Polaris, some other major lines, and those ended, those lines ended up growing quite a bit. So we felt like. It was a good move to move those consumer products out of the ag store into their own locations. So thus the Evansville and the Jasper location are consumer products. So three all together. Case would say one though. Case would say one. Is Ron still in the business? No, in 1993 he decided that he wanted to get out of the business and that's when I had Mike coming along. Okay. <laughs> And uh, so anyway, I ended up buying uh, Ron out. Uh, we had enough people in at that time to operate, and, and uh, he, he might have been the smart one getting out of the business. Not really, I mean, but uh, at that time, 
when interest rates were 18 percent and, and you know inventories were gosh you could hardly afford to keep inventory mm -hmm. at 18 percent floor plan yeah so um, at that particular time we made the move and both him and i had mike coming along and then uh with glenn's experience with it and all later on uh he fit in yeah. to the operation as well so so the business started in 1974 did that give you enough time to kind of build up the business before the 80s hit and you know Building. things got I mean, harder it, it was just tough to uh, make any money when you had to pay that type of interest on inventory plus the customers they didn't like to sign a three-year or five-year contract with interest rates that high yeah so business was was slow anything you learned from that period that's helped in these last five or so years where things have been down again what i remember is anytime we get a truckload of equipment in and i still do today <laughs> how many dollars are in that load well some of it is probably already pre-sold and there is floor plan you know with most pieces but eventually it all comes due. We were fortunate enough to get involved with uh, one of the local bankers that took care of our credit line. We still do today. That's the arrangement uh, that we had and, and it worked. You just don't want to go overboard on one end or the other. In the meantime, needed people out selling. Sell it to the end user. You don't have to worry about it coming due. We'll get back to the Hoff equipment story in a minute. But first, I wanted to say thanks to HBS Systems, the sponsor of this series. To learn more about HBS's equipment dealership management systems, visit www.hbssystems.com. After that, head over to farm-equipment.com for the latest industry news. And to learn more about the next Dealership Mind Summit and to register, visit www.dealershipmindsummit.com. Now back to the story of Hoff Equipment and how the dealership and farm equipment business have changed over the years. How would you say the business has changed or evolved over that 40-some year you've been in business? High tech. It's tough for me at my age to keep up with all of these different, even all the different passwords anymore to get into the different product lines and uh, all the changes of the software and so forth. I just try to stay out of it because it's, it's difficult for me. That's the biggest change. What was the time like when one case acquired or bought IH and that shift happened? Terry, I remember I was in parts and I remember Jerry Hempsell taking a phone call and it was, I think it was Tanya Zimmerman called and said, did you hear case bought International Harvester? And we're all like, no way. Yeah, we got, it wasn't case, it was Tenneco, which owned case right. and other stuff, but we were all kind of in shock case there are competitors you know we, we don't like those tractors they're they're a competitor you know so uh the enemy and anyway um it took a couple of years to get over that and it was a good it was actually a pretty good merger the magnum tractor came out best tractor ever ever built that's what saved international harvester in case ih i think was the 71 series tractor but i do remember that phone call when she called I'm not even sure Zimmerman's where, where they were at, somewhere over by Jacoby's there somewhere. Mm -hmm. Shock to the system, sort of. Yeah. yeah. We didn't really want to call it Case. Then they finally tied in the Case IH, and, uh, and that's where it's at today, and everybody's pretty much accustomed to that. Right. And 
some of the old case users call it case. Right. Some of the old IH users call it international or IH. It, it all blended together and then been a good company. I mean, yeah. we had good products and good service. There's always those blips along the way you like to see different uh, handles. But it's a good merger or sale, whatever it was. The other addition I guess I would add to is when we took on Bobcat, Bobcat's been a good company, excellent company. They have grown with products, gone into the mini excavator business and passed the skid steers, you know, into other product line. Then Kubota, when we took Kubota, I mean, that was a real great move. And that was back in uh, 78, maybe? 78, I believe, we yeah, took on like Kubota. And uh, back then, they didn't have much. Small tractor. Right. Uh, and uh, you had some of the older people didn't necessarily like the country where they were built. Right. <laughs> Whatever. Today, that's all past. But uh, it's been a, been a great company with excavators and track loaders, skid loaders, all the tractor lines. So did uh, you take Kubota on because of the construction side um, or to have a lower horsepower tractor since I think it was the that would have been a void in case. Lower, lower horsepower. Yeah, because they didn't have construction at that time. Okay. Yeah. They had that small 16, 20 horse tractors and, you know, Kubota built their whole reputation on quality and that's how they earn their keep over here in the U.S. They mm -hmm. would have never made it if their quality wouldn't be stellar. What's their generation coming up? Are they involved in the business? Yeah, my son Jason is the. Um, he he joined us after college. Also, he was at our consumer product store, Jasper, doing setups and the kind of things I used to do when I got graduated. And then our service manager left us for whatever reason I can't remember, but. We asked Jason if he wanted to step in there, and he said, well, I'll give it a try. And my gosh, he's been doing it ever since. And I guarantee you is the hardest job in the dealership as a service manager at any ag store, consumer store, whatever. So uh, he's been doing that and uh, likes it. So uh, we could probably move him out of there, but at this point he likes it, so we're gonna leave him there. I think he's good at it. I don't hear too many complaints, so. And then my other son, Brandon, he's younger and he joined us here a couple years ago also. And he, he's got a, a collision and body repair degree. So he does a lot of our reconditioning, painting of equipment and keeping the trucks, uh, you know, when there's dings and accidents happen and body work needing done on tractors. And we do custom work for, for customers also. So okay. that's what his realm is. How long have they both been back working at, in the business? Both of them are out of out of school. Okay, so, so just recently, just okay. Jason's twenty eight, Brandon's twenty six. So, did they always know they wanted to come work for the family business? If you ask me that, I don't know how to answer that either. It just it just went there. You know, you had a job, you didn't have to go out and fill a resume out. I've never filled a resume out yet. Fifty five years old. You know, it's just had that opportunity and ran with it and it's been been good so charlie said how he thought the business has changed and evolved how has it changed in your view uh, the technology is is the major one um, i'll agree with that um, here in the last 10 years it's just almost become overwhelming not only just for the sales guys having to know what the telematics and what the tractors the auto guidance and all that do the te the, the ag technicians there's another that's the second toughest job at the dealership is keeping good technicians. Those guys have to be 
mechanically inclined and have to be IT guys. You know, when you were in school, the smart guy next to you that was a brain, you probably wouldn't even let him change your oil in your car, would you? Right, yeah. No, you know, so you gotta, you gotta find that guy that can do both, that's, that's tough. So that's, I think, one of the biggest challenges that all of us equipment dealers face and automotive dealers face today. It doesn't matter what industry it is, if there's a service technician involved in it, they can't find them. Are you guys doing anything special or different to try to, to recruit that way or? Uh, yes, we are. We, we're hooked up with, um, got a partnership with Parkland College over in Champaign-Urbana, and we ran two guys, two young boys through there, and they're back working for us. And we're talking to another one right now, just throwing it out there, proposing it to him that, hey, we'll, we're going to help you. Here's what we will do if you want to go sign up there. That's how we're trying to bring some young ones on. Any other parts of the dealership that finding people has become more challenging or is it mostly in that service end? I think it's mostly in the service end. You know, we got great parts guys and I don't want to take anything away from them. They've been with us a long time. They know what they're doing. So I wouldn't want to lose any of them. But you know, parts guys are a little easier to come by than a, than a technician. Same way with the salesman. We got great salesmen. I wouldn't want to take anything away from them. But I'd rather have a trained technician walk through my door than have a experienced sales guy walk mm -hmm. through my door, I'd take the technician, so. I would imagine easier to get an inexperienced salesperson up to up to speed. Yeah. And to train them how you want them to do it than to find that technician. You're correct, and, it, and like Charlie said, selling is people oriented. Right. If you got a guy that can sell, you know, if he can sell tractors or cars or something else, he can, he can sell to anybody probably. Among the three of you, you know, how does kind of the responsibility split? Um, about three or four years ago, I, Charlie, Charlie's done very well with succession. I'll give him credit because I know that's probably tough for any father to go through that. He's been transitioning stock to us over the years, and I am now the president. Glenn is secretary, and Charlie, I think, is vice president. So, you know, we are doing some succession-type planning to get ready for the you know the future. What do you guys kind of see down the road for the dealership? Honestly, I just go to work every day just thinking we're just gonna keep hammering on and you know, there's a lot of mergers and acquisitions going ar around us all the time in every industry and we seem to be pretty successful being single. So when I say single, being the case age side of it, uh, we're just gonna keep hammering on for now and yeah. keeping our market shares and Case IH is happy with us with our market shares. So that's my focus right now. I'm not gonna go out and stir anything up. I'm just happy to have these boys in the organization and moving forward. I mean, to me, it means a lot to me just to see it continue to be successful. But as time goes on, if these manufacturers, these companies are going to force merging and whatever else, you know, hey, just live with it. But I'm gonna leave it up to them. Thanks so much to Charlie and Mike Hopp for taking the time to sit down and share the Hopp equipment story with us. And another thanks to HBS Systems for making this podcast possible. I'd love to get your feedback on the series, so drop me a line at kschmidt at lessonermedia.com. You can subscribe to the podcast via Spotify, iTunes, the Google Play Store, SoundCloud, Stitcher Radio, or TuneIn Radio. This will ensure you're alerted as soon as new episodes are made. 
Thanks for joining us for this one-on-one -on -one conversation with Charlie and Mike Hopp. Until next time, I'm Kim Schmidt, signing out of the Our Dealer Story Podcast.